This is Jacob Smith from the Same Old Song Podcast. And this is Amber Noel from the Living Church Podcast. And Amber, why are we here together? Why are we here, Jacob? You're joining me from far away in New York City, and we're here together to invite all of you, November 16th to 18th, to a Living Church preaching conference in the heart of Manhattan. Hosted by the Parish of Calvary St. George's and Friends, this is going to be a wonderful conference for you to hear from some of the best homilists in the craft give you an opportunity to get your head around preaching in Advent and preaching in Lent and uh, really encourage you as preachers. And the best way to register is to just click the link in the show notes today. Absolutely. So register early because this is going to be an exciting time. We'll see you there in New York City. That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Aaron, here we are. Uh, hot time, summer in the city, like you sang last week. Um, but uh, Still going on. Still yeah, going it's on. Still going on. And, um, you know, by this time of year, a lot of clergy are depressed, attendance has dropped, or maybe they're not. They're uh, somewhere on a beach, uh, enjoying themselves and, uh, you know... Um, Checked out. Wasting away in Margaritaville, so yep. who knows. Um, uh, we're recording, this will this will drop about a month after we're recording it, but I will say right now, I'm, I, it's 101 degrees in Waco, Texas, so we're, we're definitely feeling the summertime. Count me out. It's a yeah. it's a balmy seventy four. It's a little muggy, but uh, mm. it's seventy four degrees here in New York City. I went on a walk today. And we I haven't had this. a we haven't had a hot girl summer yet. So it's well, your time will come. <laughs> uh, New York will soon smell like a yeah. high school locker room. <laughs> Definitely, or um, that's a that's a good day. Um, yeah. I mean, let me tell you, the other day it was a little hot, and I was. Um, I was uh, walking um, up out of the subway, and it did smell. Well, I'm just going to say it. Like human. a urinal. Like yeah, a urinal. It yeah. so was like human or animal. So, yeah. but anyway. <laughs> uh, we want to, Andrew and I do a walk usually on, this is a Monday, and uh, but we I saw all these squirrels in this park in Waco, and they were just like limping along, just like, usually squirrels are like, you know, skittering about and yeah. just kind of running around like happy little rodents that they are. And these guys were just like... They, they were walking like Eeyore. They were like, we're not going to, like, go ahead, go ahead. If you're grabbing, conserve grab us, it's their fine. energy. We're not going to run around. Conserve their energy. Poor guys in their little fur coats. Well, mm. weather discussions aside. Yeah, it's exciting stuff. It is. Uh, I mean, it is riveting. Today, this might be our best episode yet. Already. I I, yeah, why don't, we, why don't we kill it? Call it a day. <laughs> so, but yeah. um, Isaiah 44, 6 through 8. And then we have Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 25. And then um, Matthew 13, 24 to 30, and 36 to 43, another wonderful parable. So, um, a parable of judgment, uh, according to Robert Farrah Capon. But uh, um, why don't we uh, kick it off in Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 8? Well, and, I will uh, say, before we do that, that the collect is 
fire. I don't know. Uh, what do you want to say about that? Well, I would just, you know, you, it says, Almighty God, you know our necessities before we ask and our ignorance and asking. Mm. Have compassion on our weakness and mercifully give us those things which for our unworthiness we dare not and for our blindness we cannot ask. So it's an, it's amazing. And then through, you know, we ask through the worthiness of your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's an amazing statement of, I think, the wisdom in our spiritual tradition as Anglican and Episcopalian Christians. This um, We don't, we come to God humbly knowing that um, we don't even know what to ask for. Yeah. And even if we did, we don't deserve it because uh, of our general uh, propensity to be completely self-absorbed and uh, jacked up. So, and yet we can, we ask God to give us the, um, the one who knows what we need before we ask. We ask God to give us those things. Because of our worthiness? No, through the worthiness of Jesus Christ. So it's, again, another wonderful collect um, that sums up the grace of God and how we pray and all that sort of stuff. So speaking of that, we can now turn to Isaiah 44, as you so wonderfully teed it up for us. Mm. Um, This uh, very short seven verses, um, this poetic section of Isaiah, where... uh, we're, we've jumped back a little bit. Last week was Isaiah 55. Now it's Isaiah 44. So this is definitely within the time of exile. And but it's right on the eve, too. It's still on yeah. the eve. Okay, okay, right. It's the eve. It's exile. It's eve. Yeah, they're still in exile, but they're about to go home. Eve of return. So they are... Um, uh, but they've been living in a time or in a, in among a culture that is not their own. And gosh, if you've been... Um, feeling like you've gotten a raw deal from God and you've been waiting and waiting and things haven't worked out, you get tempted to throw in the towel. And um, and this is God reminding the people, look, you may be tempted to look at other deities, other ways of living, um, the religious systems around you that seem attractive, but I am the first and the last. There's no other God but me. Um, there's a that, that phrase that is in the Bible over 300 times, do not fear. Um, you know, I've, I've got you. There's, there's nowhere else to go. It reminds me a little bit of uh, the disciples saying to Jesus, Lord, you have the words of life. Where else are we going to go? Yeah. Um, but this is uh, God reminding his people at a time when they're, they, may, they're, they're, they may be a little fatigued and, and tempted to, to give up. Not only fatigued. I mean, they, some of these people have spent their entire life in captivity. Uh, they're going. They're going home, and this is the interesting thing. And this should shed some light on the second temple. I mean, uh, they are going home still under captivity. They're not going home as an independent people. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Life is hard, and I talk to people all the time. It's really interesting sometimes, and they'll be like, "I mean, I've been going through this thing for like five years." I mean, I feel that way. I've been going through this like building situation for like five years. Like, come on. I mean, I know I'm always going to have problems, Lord, but I'd like some new ones. You know, that's what Mm -hmm. I always say to myself in my prayers. And, uh, you know, but what God says to these people who are, because you're right, the temptation is to try, and this is how it plays out in regular life, is that when we feel like God is not uh, speaking or God is not present, well, what immediately bubbles up inside a person is anxiety. 
and uh, anxiety. We get anxious, we become control freaks. You know, I become very impatient with the people around me. I sound like Veruca Salt in the office. I want it now. And, um, and, uh, and this is what happens. So God speaks right into this anxiety, the anxiety of the, um, of the exiled Israelites and the anxiety of you sitting in the pew. And he says, hey, 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 you're not God. I am. There's only one savior of the universe and you're most certainly not it. You know, and he goes through and reminds them that he's always been their king. He's always been their redeemer. I mean, he uh, breaks it down. He, so he's like, first, I'm your king. I've said things that have come to pass. I'm the only one who knows the future. And let me just tell you, while you can't see it, the future is so bright, you're going to have to wear shades. And so therefore, uh, you don't have to be afraid and you can quit looking at Molech or your bank account or your identity because is there any other God besides me? No, I'm the only rock you've got to rest your whole life on. Amen. Well, uh, speaking of resting our life on something other than ourselves, we turn to St. <laughs> Paul's epistle. Well, and if anybody Romans. needed to cling to that message, it was St. Paul. Yeah, it was St. Paul. I mean, golly, he didn't live his best life now. And yeah. uh, he, he was beaten. Just read the book of Acts. He's beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked. Uh, there was a, I was telling you about this before we recorded, but there was a funny article in the Babylon Bee a couple of years where Joel, it said Joel, the headline was Joel Olstein shocked by reading the Bible for the first time, you know, because <laughs> he realized nobody's having their best life now. It's amazing. So uh, yeah, that is Paul, such a lie. Yeah. And Paul has to deal with this in this uh, part of Romans because he talks about the sufferings of this present time. And he's acknowledging it. This is, I think, the passage partially that I talked in um, the Mockingbird Conference, not this most recent one, but the one before that. Uh, we groan inwardly while we wait. We're like uh, Billy um, Crystal playing Harry Burns. And when Harry met Sally, just lying in bed at night, he's like, sometimes I just like to moan, just practice my moaning. Uh, uh. Uh, and this is what Paul says here. We groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies, because uh, we don't have what we want. Mm. Who hopes for what is seen? We, we don't hope for what we already have. We hope because we don't have it yet. Mm. And so we are right now subject to decay and all the, our bodies not doing what they want and our families not being what they want and ourselves not being what, they, what we want. But we are waiting for what will be revealed in the future. And meantime, we can sort of know that God loves us as our Father. As he says in this passage, we can call God Abba, Father. We are children of God. And so, again, he's moving people from a world where religion was about be good, don't be bad. And now in Christ, something new has been revealed where the Spirit of God does this thing in us. We have The law has been fulfilled. We have died. We're on the other side of spiritual report cards. That whole office of religion has, is closed for business. The owner is out fishing. And so here we are um, in this new world where Paul says, don't go back to living according to the flesh. Now, people will hear that and think Paul is saying, don't, don't do bad things. Don't, um, uh, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. People think of that as the flesh. Paul is saying, don't live according to the flesh. Don't, he, what he means is don't do righteous acts in your own power. Don't be churchy and religious in your own flesh. He says, instead, live as children of God who rest and know that they don't have to impress God with their spiritual um, acrobatics or anything like that. Um, uh, because if you do, um, 
uh, it reminds me of that line from the U2 song, um, what is it, uh, Ac- fly, men will rise, men will fall from the sheer face of love, like a fly from the wall. If you try to do that performance and achievement kind of stuff, life according to the flesh, you will fall, um, you'll die. But instead, we now rest, not in a spirit of slavery, but a spirit of adoption. So that's this beautiful passage. of some, It's a new way of life. You rest in what God has already done for you. And in the meantime, as you are suffering, yes, that is reality. But we, we can wait with hope. So it's not a panacea. It's not this magic bullet. But it is so real and so good and so true. And makes sense of the reality of life. Christianity is not some, like, bill of goods, some sort of fake, uh, you know, thing that we... we we, it's not like a stock photo of like the happy family that comes in the frame when you buy a picture frame. It's it's real. It's true, and that's so I think so comforting. Yeah, I love this too because Paul um, he he counts himself into this suffering as well. You know, so often as a pastor, you know, I'll talk to somebody and they're like, you know, they'll share what they're going through and uh, they're you know, and they'll say, well, I mean, at least I don't live in the Ukraine, you know, or at least it's not as bad as this, and you know, but for Paul to like say. Um, uh, like we are all sharing in this present suffering, this real suffering, the, the pastoral aspect, what Paul is doing here is he makes this statement real and he takes our suffering and knows that we can join our voice with him. And the other thing is, is about this passage is that it's not just you who's suffering, but all of creation is longing for redemption. And uh, we need to remember that it just wasn't humanity that was cursed, but all creation fell with us. And so, um, uh, this is, this is important, too, is that um, when he speaks of this groaning, he doesn't speak of it as if it's some sort of wound that's been inflicted. But he speaks of this suffering that comes from, like, childbirth. He speaks of it as in the terms of labor pains. And so all of the suffering, the good news, and this is why you have to cling to this word of this God who knows the future— because all of this suffering and all of like the, the jacked up stuff in your life, even though you can't see it, is ultimately leading to a new life. The extremes are present here in Paul's text here in Romans 8 because uh, with incredible pain and joy uh, that comes upon you when a child is born. I mean, I don't want to mansplain anything. I have no idea what it is to to go through labor, but um, I was in the room uh, with my wife and I almost passed out like three or four times. There is incredible, you know that too, Aaron, you were there. Uh, not not with me, but you've been <laughs> no, in the not with you and Mel. <laughs> <laughs> but the incredible pain and joy that comes when a child is born, I mean, it's good yeah. news. And that's what he's trying, that's the illustration he's trying to get, is that with this pain is coming, not like, not only the redemption of all of the messed up stuff in your life, not only the redemption of your body, but the redemption of the entire creation is coming with this. So you, along with all of creation, is longing for that moment. So in the meantime, cling to the promises of the gospel. Amen. Yeah, and I was just thinking about that time, Jake, you... When I when I cut when you were in the room with child's me? umbilical cord, <laughs> a little slippery, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I can go really turn. dark with that, but I'm not going to. But anyway, speaking speaking of uh, of darkness and suffering, uh, Matthew 13, Jesus has this parable about one of the things that causes the most suffering for Christians in the church uh, is the fact that there are all these people in the <laughs> religious community that are not living up to what we think they should be doing. There's so-called hypocrites and 
um, all these folks in, in the religious community that we think have no business being there. And so he talks about the kingdom of heaven being like wheat growing in a field, but while the farmer was sleeping, somebody came in and sowed this other seed. And this was a thing in the ancient world where there was a, a, a plant that looked very, it looked exactly like weed. It's uh, called like a wheat. Darnell. Yeah, a Darnell. And as Darn... <laughs> those darn Darnells. Georgia. Uh, and as this seed grew, it looked it was indistinguishable from wheat. You only knew at the very end um, when the the head of wheat kind of came into seed, and you could see that it was something else. Um, but this was a way you could really mess up your your enemy if he was a farmer. You could put this weed in his field, and it would you know take the nutrients from the wheat and all that sort of stuff, and just really ruin the crop. So it was in Roman law. You can read about this. This is illegal to do. Um, and uh, but Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a field of wheat where somebody has also secretly at night sowed the seed of Darnell. And the servants first had this idea. They go to the farmer and they say, Could, you know, do you want us to, to pull out all the all the weeds? And the guy says, no, because if you do that, you'll, you'll mess up the wheat. Yeah, too. The, what happens is that the Darnell, it wraps itself around the the wheat stock and so mm-hmm. and it essentially uses the wheat stock as um like a, a stability pole to grow itself up as well so uh before the harvest if you pull out the darnell you pull out the weed as well and yep. also um the inexperienced uh you know uh, uh, uh hand uh doesn't know the distinction in the moment between the wheat and the weed because the, the wheat and the darnel because they look exactly the same until the harvest yep and so this is the thing people you need a lot of horticulture information there yeah a lot, <laughs> you need to go to texas a&m to understand this passage so the um the thing here jesus says is you you wait until the end and you let god sort it out and the thing here is that many christians want to go around kicking people out of the congregation or out of the community or and out in the world, like deciding who's good and who's bad. And, and we do a lot of this, trying to separate the wheat and the mm. weeds, or as the, the King James, the wheat and the tares. And Jesus says, no, first of all, that's not your job. Um, yeah. And it's sort of this merciful thing, like let them both grow together. Um, uh, and you just you mind your own business. And this, this is sort of fits with Jesus talking about making sure he tells his people to be a little bit more concerned about the plank in one own, one's own eye as opposed to the speck in your brother or sister's eye. So um, kind of mind your own business and trust God to let him work things out, which, you know, if you think about, if you want to look at this in a personal way, there's almost a sense in which we ourselves as Christians have both wheat and weeds in our own hearts. You know, there are the, the unconverted parts of our own lives. And and we're working that out over time. And I think about this Romans 8 passage, which we heard earlier. We groan and we're waiting for something to be revealed. We are, uh, in the old Lutheran phrase in Latin, simultaneous et peccator, simultaneously justified and sinners. And that exists individually. It also sort of exists in the community as well. And there's a reminder here to kind of let God be the one who sorts that out and know yeah. that... Um, yeah, and and that's because at the end of the age, uh, well, at the end of the, when the harvest comes. So what happens with the darnel is that it eventually dies. Uh, the wheat stay alive if you just leave it alone, and the darnel it uh, the top it becomes heavy, it rots, and it falls over, and you can see the difference. But the point is, is that it's not you who sees it, but the farmer who sees it, the one who runs the field. And he sends his his uh, his hands out to take care of it, not you. 
And this is why I agree with you, man. We treat, you, you know, so much of what's going on in the world. Um, uh, my wife just sent me this amazing quote a couple of days ago, and I'm going to try and find it. But so much of the world, we want to be like the morality police. And we want to say who's in, and we want to say who's out, and we think we know what's up. But you never know what God's really doing with people. And, um, uh, and uh, that is true. Let me just read you this great quote. He says... Um, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, son of a gun. I, um, oh, uh, it's like you're scrolling through like of millions of text messages. Gone, it's gone. Um, anyway, Listeners, well, you there can it see it the went. pain on Jake's face, his brow. It really brow. does. It it hurts. Drops of sweat are appearing. Um, anyway, well, maybe I don't have it. Talk about so, groaning. Anyway, I'm going to move on. Uh, so the point being, the is gist. That Give us the, the gist. gist. The gist is, is that we that we actually turn a lot of people away from the church and we turn a lot of people away from the gospel because we're so yeah. antagonistic and we so desperately want to be right and we think we know who's righteous and we think we know who's unrighteous. And uh, the truth is, is you absolutely get the plank out of your own eye first uh, before you start picking at someone else's speck. And, um, and it's just at the end of the day, not all that helpful. Yeah. And so, um, and the, the point is, is that I love, St. Paul treated everyone, every church. I mean, and with the Corinthians, they were a total mess, but he's like, beloved in Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know what I mean? You don't know who's, who's, who's in and who's out. And that the point of the church is by way of the gospel to create a, a, a circle where everyone's ultimately in, uh, because you didn't do anything to get in. Uh, God brought you in. And so um, the one place where St. Paul uh, treats everyone like Darnell's is uh, the Church of Galatia, and that's because they forgot grace. So anyway, um, anything you'd want to add to that, Aaron? Yeah, I just would say to people that criticize the church for being full of hypocrites and uh, manipulators and whatever, I was like, Yep. First of all, show me any organization that's not like that. But also, and I'm not giving people a pass, you know, I think there should be structures and all those sorts of things and accountability. Yes. But just know that um, it seems to be in the mercy of God to allow the wheat and the weeds to grow together. Uh, And um, that's just what it's going to be. So every time a group splits off and says, we're going to create a pure church, it always ends up again with wheat and weeds because it always has human beings in it. So um, just know that it's not your job to kick people out of church for being weeds. It's not your job to even really worry about which is which because that's the thing. You don't even really know. Um, and uh, trust the Lord of the harvest to to take care of what needs to be take care, taken care of. I am so and frustrated I couldn't find that. I feel like a giant Darnell right now. And, yeah. uh, and I'm waiting. So you'll all have to wait for groaning, but I promise to find that quote. And so. <laughs> giant Darnell. And I think we now have a good insult yeah. right up there with so. uh, Buddy the Elf's cotton-headed ninny muggins. So, well, to our ninny muggins and our Darnells. Darnells and our wheats out there, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again um, as we turn the corner into August. God bless. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. 
Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.